0: Higher Things thanks you for your support. Please continue to support the work we do with youth by going to our website at higherthings.org, clicking on support and donating securely through PayPal. Your gift helps us in our mission to support pastors, youth workers, and parents in daring our church's youth to be Lutheran.
1: Welcome to the Gospel Boldly Podcast, where we confess with St. John, saying these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We are your hosts. I'm Thomas Lemke.
0: And I am Pastor Eric Brown. And again, you won't hear this until the future, but I am a proud papa. My dad, my dad, my son is off to his second day of kindergarten. I don't think my dad is going back to kindergarten, but that, you know, (laughs) Although, although I do have to bring up something very quickly. I, I did get a phone call from my dad and my dad like, so have you corrected your mistake on the gospel bodily podcast yet? He doesn't quite talk like that, but that's my dad voice for here. I'm like, well, no <laughs> dad, what what are you talking about? Uh, Pentecost isn't the festival of booths. It's the festival of the first fruits. Which is true. It's, it's the, the, it's the harvest fest. It's basically the, uh, it happens right around the time when the, the winter week comes in, which is interesting. Um, when I was Thomas's pastor, In person, we were at a congregation in northwest Oklahoma, which had uh, the wheat crop. It was winter wheat all over the place. You will verify that for me, Thomas, will you not? Oh, yeah, for sure. And without fail, they didn't do the harvest at Pentecost. They had it two weeks later, the first Sunday after Trinity. So you go Pentecost, Trinity, Sunday, and then the first Sunday after Trinity. And do you know what the the gospel text every time for that Sunday is in the one-year series? No, it is the uh master had a great banquet. Everything was prepared and, and <laughs> c- all the one come to the feast and all the one alike like, they, they make excuses and, and it without fail, I'd, I'd be up there and I'd be going my, over my sermon and around half the farmers wouldn't have shown up, but their wives would be there. Cause it'd be the first weekend of harvest and like, I, I've got to get it in. Mm-hmm, a- mm-hmm. And I'd be preaching to all these farmers wives, just kind of be looking down, looking all awkward. It's just like every year, can't the harvest come a little bit T- can't the harvest happen on on a day other than that? So it's not like, like the oh yeah on, on the giant everyone skips day. Let's have the <laughs> service about uh oh yeah this is why I can't come to church. Ah ha! Yay! It was great irony. So yes, we're, we're flawed. We <laughs> make mistakes sometimes. Co-fing. All right, okay. So uh, yeah, we, we we make mistakes. I don't want to say we make mistakes a ton because that's like oh we better not listen to them. They make mistakes, but we. Yeah, we do this off the cuff, folks. Live radio. Sort fallible,
1: of. fallible human being. All right.
0: So with with <sighs> that that great... I was banging my chest. Mia culpa, mia culpa, mia maxima culpa. Let, let's hopefully... Let's not make any uh, massive errors today. So today we're going to hear about the stoning of Stoffen. Wait, I mean... <laughs> did, did you see what I did there? Nope. <laughs> I, I, I mispronounced his name.
1: Stoffen. Well, okay, yeah, St- I guess that... I see the the irony, the attempted irony in
0: there. All right. Well, yeah, I see. But again, we don't always catch each other very well. So we are going to be picking up again at Act 754. So hopefully uh, I won't get any angry texts from kindergarten about my son going nuts while we're recording, and we'll carry on with life. So uh, anything before you want to dive on into the text, Thomas?
1: Ought we recap in any sense? I mean, Stephen's just given a full sermon, basically.
0: Right. Stephen has basically okay. He 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 ends up getting dragged before the council, and and they admit he looks like an angel man, and and he basically goes over the history, of the entire Old Testament. He sums it up he'd been accused of overturning Moses. And he's basically, no, the whole point of, of the Old Testament, of Genesis, of all the promises to Abraham, to Moses, was to point to the coming Messiah. That was the point. And you know what? You killed him. And you know what? Yes, stiff-necked people. That's what your fathers did to the prophets. Because whenever anyone talks about the Messiah, people want to kill him. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Messiah whether it's the prophets pointing forward to, listen, You guys have dropped the ball. Repent. And their response is what?
1: (laughs) Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God.
0: All right. Now, I want to make a a beautiful... Or profound or or interesting contrast. Note how I keep stepping that back. Okay. I think it's beautiful. Stephen has preached the law mm-hmm. and they are angry. They are enraged. They're they're grinding their teeth at him. So I mean he he's he's hit a nerve. The law has hit a nerve. They are upset. But then Stephen does something else. He looks up and he sees. The the veil between earth and heaven is pierced, and he sees the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, when we talk about at the right hand of God, don't we generally use the phrase seated? Right?
1: Yeah, Hebrews yeah, certainly that, does.
0: Right. That that's the one. seated is a matter of exercising authority in the ancient world. If you were going to exercise authority, you always sat down. It's the judgment seat. If you're going to teach, you sit down to preach. What, though, is the implication of standing? Hmm. What's the Greek word for resurrection, Thomas?
1: Anastasis.
0: Which means literally? Uh, to rise again. To stand again. To be stas, stand, same thing in English. So when he sees him standing at the right hand, that is not only he's at the place of power, but he is Standing. He's alive. It's a proclamation that Christ is risen from the dead. Mm -hmm. With all your them, with all your fury, with all your bile you had against him, with all your attempts to circumvent and cut off this Messiah whom God sent, with all your desire to stop the plan of salvation that God has sent, look, he's risen. He's with God. (laughs) He's at the right hand of the Father. And you know what? He's in charge. And he lives, You didn't work, you killed him and he still rose from the dead, neener, 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 or maybe not neener, neener, neener. (laughs) Uh, Look, behold, the plan of salvation has been accomplished, even in spite of your Mm stiff-neckedness. So it really is a, a, a strong focus on a great gospel truth. Christ is risen. Yay! The law ticked him off. When they hear the gospel, though, because they want
1: to cling to their sins, what do they do? But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. When they hear the
0: gospel, they kill him. That that's that's what drives them over the edge. It's one thing if you tell about us about how we're jerks, all right, all right, we're not gonna like that. But when you point to the resurrection, when you point to forgiveness and mercy and salvation won by Christ, that's when people really get angry. Thomas, mm-hmm. a little bit of speculation at the moment, or not speculation, but just broader question. Sure. Why do people get angry at the gospel? Yeah.
1: That's kind of what I was talking about a couple of shows ago. I think when I said that, from a human perspective, it makes no sense. I mean, you got a bunch of people that uh, that believe something. Why, why go in and, and, and start persecuting just on that account? Um, but, but I guess the deeper spiritual reality of enmity with God that has been around since the fall is probably more to blame in this case, right?
0: Yes, but I have a nuance on that that I'm going to present. Okay. If salvation and forgiveness are free, utterly won by Christ, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh how do I get to manipulate and control god
1: oh yeah it's <laughs> you uh... it,
0: it, it means I am totally at his mercy, uh just as uh when we're recording this, I'm getting ready to preach on the Pharisee, and the tax collector mm-hmm. the the great Lutheran parable, yeah. And the, the difference is the way we by nature want to relate to God, even though we are at war with God because of our sin, we still want to think we can manipulate him. Mm-hmm. That, that if I just do nice things, then God will give me nicer stuff, right? Yeah, right. If I do more than Thomas does, then I'll have a better better relationship with God and he will give me more stuff than he gives to Thomas. Yay! Except when we're made to see that no, everything we have is given to us on account of Christ. It's not our righteousness, but his. In fact, as Paul will say, oh, yeah, I did more than the other apostles. Actually, no, it's not me. It was the grace of Christ within me. It's not about me. It's never about me. It's always about what God does, what he gives, what he works in me and through me. And that leaves me no room for control over God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't get to control God. And there Stephen is. He's in the temple with guys who want to control and dominate God and make God jump when they want him to jump. And he says, no, you can't. You don't get to control God. He'll even raise the dead, raise the people you kill. (laughs) In fact, that's what he's going to do all over. And that's when they lose it. We want to be in control. In fact, one of the things that comes up with this is When they, when they lay their garments, who do they lay the garments at the feet of? A young man named Saul. Why would they lay the garments at the feet of this young man named
1: Saul? Because um, he was the valet? <laughs> no. Basically, Saul is the guy
0: who is one of the guys of top rank. He's an up-and-comer. Uh-huh. He, he is the one that, that you want to impress but also Saul is up high enough to where he doesn't have to get his hands dirty, even by throwing stones. Again, gotcha. this this is all about how do you how do you impress people? You well see what I'm willing to do to show how good I am. All right, see how well I'm willing to orchestrate people doing things to show you how good I am.
1: So the so, garment is kind of like a punch card, and they're all throwing it down. Uh, check check me in. I'm I'm accounted well, for.
0: Well. <laughs> it it can get messy and you might get some splatter. And you don't want oh, to yeah, yeah, stain yeah. your garments. Ugh. So, all right, let's finish off the chapter very quickly.
1: Sure. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep.
0: Now, again, this parallels... Christ's death. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And the the great sermon of Stephen with incredible law ends with him getting killed. But the last thing he says, even being killed is not a pox on both of your houses. <laughs> it's, it, 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 yeah. Father, don't hold this against them. Why can he say, don't hold this against them? Well, he's just seen Jesus crucified and risen, which means, no, it's not held against them. It was held against Christ and nailed to the cross. Yeah, e- even this sin, even this sin that's being done to Stephen, which is vile. Thomas, people have done some rotten things to me, but no one has ever actually stoned me to death. Mm-hmm. Or it even stoned me to serious injury, except for like my my toddler likes to throw stones at the moment that's not intending but and yet even that sin that sin of stoning stephen to death stephen sees no in in christ that is even forgiven oh god grant them faith that they would receive this forgiveness Mm -hmm. that they would be dare i say it Yes, I will say it, That they would be gospel boldly. <laughs> uh, all right, how's that? Oh, okay, we can go to the break now. That, that was a good lead into the break. And when we get back from the break, we'll do the backwards life and return to our normal, terrible transitions. All right. And welcome back to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we are now going to engage in what we lovingly call the backwards life, where we will... Uh, Consider an idea uh, that is popular in popular, trendy Christian culture, and then kind of look at it from a backwards, different angle and see what's going on there. Although I do want to note something else very quickly. Uh, we we're getting ready to come back, and I told Thomas, let me let me get a drink of coffee first. I will note, the official coffee of the Gospel Boldly podcast is Coffee by Gillespie. And if you look up uh, www.coffeebygillespie.com or just search it, uh, Pastor Gillespie is a pastor at... Uh, Trin- uh, Grace Lutheran Church in Dyer. I can't remember what the name of the church was. It's just up in Dyer, Indiana. And he will roast on demand single origin coffee beans and ship them to you. It is wonderful coffee. So if you like coffee, go get some. All right. He's a good fellow. Good coffee. Worthy cause. Great coffee. Go get some. He sends it all over the place. So get some good stuff. Um, All right. Okay. now, now that I've got a little bit more caffeine, let's go. What, okay. what, is, what should we consider today, Thomas?
1: Well, the caffeine in your system is going to, I guess, give me a lot to, to enjoy about hopefully your answer to this one. But I'm, I'm sure you've seen or heard the, the televangelist types get on the air and talk about how if you sow a seed in their ministry, you will reap a oftentimes financial, although sometimes health or, or otherwise, blessing on account of that. So could you give me your backwards approach on this idea that somehow uh, a form of, could you even call it tithing, giving to these uh, ministries, maybe that's even a word best used loosely, uh, can can reap such wonderful rewards?
0: Well, uh, <laughs> is this where I should come on and say, if you donate to the uh, Gospel Boldly podcast, you, <laughs> yeah, th- Thomas, so do, we even, do we even have a donation button? Uh No. Oh, okay. Well, if you figure out a way to send a donation to the <laughs> Gospel Holy Podcast, you'd be extra blessed because I mean, we're not even set up to receive that. Um, okay. You often get this idea again. This is going back to the whole idea of we can control God by our works, mm-hmm. right? We we can take what what we do and make God jump to our response. That's the way we generally think. And we want to make it be automatic one for one. If you give X dollars, you're going to get X back. Do you see how nice and logical and utterly controlled that is? Absolutely. Now, I'm going to go slightly off on this. You mentioned sowing a seed and getting a harvest. Now, when I hear that, I think of a parable that talks about God at work, God Mm -hmm. sowing seeds. So you think if anyone would be like automatic causation, I do this, that happens, it would be God, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, Mm -hmm. quid
1: pro quo, come on.
0: All right, all right. And yet consider Thomas the parable of, we call it the parable of the sower. Really it should be called the parable of the seed. Man goes out to sow, throws seed all over the place and some lands on the path, some lands on rocky ground, some lands in weeds and some lands in good soil. And the first three types Peter out Mm -hmm. and it's only on the fourth soil where there is a harvest. And Jesus tells us that the seed is the word of God. All right. So ponder this. Jesus tells us that when the gospel is proclaimed, really, we should probably only expect a quarter of it to work a quarter of the time. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so all right. When God is at work, when God is doing his godliest God thing, yeah, it brings back a, a result 25% of the time. Right. So so on the one hand, that, that whole, oh, if you do this, it's definitely going to do that. Oh, that's just terrible. But second of all, do you notice how much more realistic Jesus is with his preaching? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Thomas, if you give, might you end up getting a windfall down the line? Maybe. Sure. If you don't give, might you give a win- get a windfall down the line? Yeah, it's
1: possible. Because who is in charge of giving you that windfall? Uh James would say God.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's so, and God's gonna do what God is gonna do, and he and and he's gonna do it not because of what you have done, but because of what he knows is good for you. Mm-hmm. All right, as we record, I, I I do not buy Powerball tickets often. I buy them when it gets over half a uh, half a billion dollars. Like okay, yes. okay, I I I. I will gladly throw away four dollars or six dollars. i I will donate that to to the the great giant fund of chance. And if I win, well, okay, if I win the Powerball, soon we'll be doing our our live gospel boldly podcast from our nice new studio somewhere right, right. But, but that's not gonna happen, and I know it. okay. so but all right I, you don't control the windfall that that's not in my. Oh. But maybe if I preach a really good sermon, God will make sure that I win the Powerball because I actually preach on Saturday night right before the drawing. Oh, yeah, that'd be stupid to think. Why do I think I get to control God and his, his providential care of the universe? It becomes the giant ego of man thinking that we can control everything, whereas God is much more willing to say, all right, Guess what? In the world, <laughs> things go wild and wooly, uh, and and often good is met with bad. Stephen preaches. That's a good thing. What happens to him? Get yeah. stoned. Yeah. yeah so yeah, so yeah, the yeah. idea that 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 oh well if I do a good thing then then good good things are going to happen. Well, congratulations, you're teaching karma. There you go. So <laughs> it is a foolish thing. But having said that. I, I'm not gonna discourage you from giving, maybe not to the televangelists. Mm-hmm. I won't discourage you from giving to us if we had some way of doing that. But but I mean <laughs> I'm assuming go go find a good local congregation and give generously support the work of God there at your, your local church. And the reason I'll say to do this isn't because oh, if you do it, God will bless you more. It's just that if you learn to give your money. Actually, if you learn to give away the money that God has entrusted to you for your care and your stewardship, that changes the way you look at your stuff, the way you look at your money. Instead of being the thing that you work and live for, it becomes a matter of, hey, this is a tool God has given me, and I'm going to use this tool to love and care for my neighbors as God desires it. It mm-hmm. changes the way you look at things. So so I will say, yeah, if you give money, you will be blessed, not necessarily with more money, but you'll start to learn how to receive the the good gifts of God from God as gifts. Um, All right, here's my my statement that I came up with uh, a few months ago in Greek study, and I think it works. It's not a gift until you can give it away. If I have something and I just can't bear to part with it, I don't really view it as a gift. Mm -hmm. But if I see something was given to me freely, eh, eh, then I can give it freely to those who might have a higher need or, or make better use of it. I can, I can hand things on because I received it freely and it doesn't say anything about me that I got it. So, Makes so yeah, sense. it's good to give, but just don't, it's good to give focusing on your neighbor. But if I give thinking I'm going to get more back, that, that's not really serving my neighbor. That's serving myself. hmm. Yeah. Eh. All right. So did that oh. kind of work for – I I kind of came backwards a different, a few different ways on that one, didn't you I?
1: did. All right. Every every angle.
0: Well, not every, but quite enough. Fair enough. See, good – behold, the coffee by Gillespie is a great gift from God. <laughs> and you can do gift subscriptions too. All right. Yeah, so. There you go. <laughs> okay. We're, we should be X getting angle. ready to start. I, we don't get paid for that either. No, that's true. No kickback. We, we don't take donations. We don't get paid for sponsorship. We it's are terrible businessmen. <laughs> oh, good night. Oh well. Um, Say <sighs> <C'est> la <vie. laughs> Let's carry on with Acts chapter eight because that's where we're going to start. So, so we've been where we've been going through the Acts so far is we've we started out really great for the church and then we started seeing a few waves and now, oh wait, they're starting to kill people. And yeah, they're starting to. Mama, business is good if it comes to killing the Christians. Mm. Let's carry on with chapter 8. Okay.
1: And Saul approved of his, ex- of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison.
0: All right. Now, this is one of the the things where we get taught again that God is the Lord of history, that God is in charge, that even the wickedness of man is used to accomplish God's great purpose. If you remember very back at the beginning of Acts chapter 1, Jesus as he is getting ready to ascend, tells the disciples, the apostles, that the gospel will be proclaimed starting in Jerusalem Jerusalem. and then going to? All the nations. Samaria and then all the nations. Right. And what has happened? Well, you know what? We're kind of happy and calm and doing good here in Jerusalem. We're kind of good right here. and See, we'll we'll keep working on the, the good people in Jerusalem and, oh no, they're killing us. And what happens? It scatters. Mm-hmm. It's uh, this is the diaspora, is what it ends up getting called. The diaspor, or, uh, spore or seed. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, <there laughs> we just and, and wh- so what happens is this persecution, and th- this is one of the great backwards things. Saul at this time is hoping to stamp out the church, but in stamping down so hard, he spreads it out all over the place. So this is where the faithful start going. To different places and when they show up they don't stop being christians they're like oh good now i can be a christian here and i'm gonna tell folks here what's going on and what jesus is doing and how it's all messed up man Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with with how we're getting treated and the gospel spreads as much as they try to stamp it down the gospel spreads so all right let's carry on
1: okay uh now those who were scattered went about preaching the word
0: Even the deacons go. Now note, with this first wave of, of preaching th- a par- outside of Jerusalem, it's the deacons who run. Why? Well, they're the ones who were sent to take care of the people. So if all the people are going, all right, well, I'll, I'll go this way where a bunch of people are in. And, mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm. they do, Philip starts preaching. So so ironically, the you get Peter preaching a lot in town, but then two of the great segments of preaching are, from the deacons, the ones that were appointed by the church. Again, noting that God continues to appoint men through the church to proclaim the word. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Do you see how that works? Mm-hmm. Oh, that continues on down to this day. Great. And so, hey, what? what hey, no, no. Philip is preaching even to Samaritans. Uh, what was the general Jewish opinion of Samaritans?
1: Uh, well, they were dirty half-breeds who worshipped on the wrong mountain and boo on them. All right.
0: Uh, also, remember, uh, Philip was uh, made a deacon. Why? To wait tables, I guess, was the technical designation. Because who wasn't getting taken care of? The uh, Hellenized the Jews. Yeah, that's right. True. The, so, so Philip is specifically used to dealing with people that the typical Jewish person would look down upon. Right. So when he ends up in Samaria. Okay, yeah, so the typical Jewish person might have their prejudices and not think about wanting to go talk to the Samaritans. But what's Philip's job? I deal with the people who get looked down upon all the time. Of course I'll preach to Oh, yeah, this is not a problem. Nice. So basically even that strife in Jerusalem in the church prepared and paved the way for the spreading of the gospel to the folks in Samaria and further out and beyond, which is, again, one of the things where – you intended for evil god intends it for good because mm-hmm. jesus is at the right hand of god and he does what is good for us in spite of us so nice all right i think we're about coming up on a break so we're going to come on back and when we get back from the break we'll get to hear about magicians Ooh. Ooh. all right see you in a belt moment And we're back on the Gospel Will Week podcast. And, and now we are in Acts chapter eight. And Philip is preaching out in the country. And we're going to run into the most famous magician of all. Well, okay. Actually, no, that, that for, for us, that, that's probably, you know, I don't know, Merlin or something. Harry Potter. But, but, or Harry Potter now, yeah. <laughs> but, but in the ancient world, this was the guy who was famous. In fact, a sin gets named after him. Ooh, mm. how's that for a tease? All right, let's go on and learn about uh, Simon, the Mag- Simon the Magician. Okay. So if you'd start in cha- uh, verse 9, 8 verse 9.
1: Okay. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying... This man is the power of God that is called great, and they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. All right, something very
0: uh, interesting to note about the ancient world naturally what comes up in the early church. There, it was semi-common in in the eastern part of the Roman Empire in what was used to be called the Orient, which we'd call the ancient Near East. To where you would think that people would be manifestations of aspects of God's power. So, <clears throat> when they say that uh, this is the 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 man is the power of God that is called great, uh, if you if you see in the ESV, great is capitalized, and what that denotes is there was sort of a, a an idea where. It, God would have like 55 attributes or whatever. And, and people would be manifestations of each of these. And you have all these weird complex cosmologies. So basically this, that's what the guy, the gig, the guy's got going. He, he is basically setting himself up almost as a demigod or an, uh, a shard of God. If you want to think of that, like a, a sliver or something. And so he's a wonder worker and you had guys who could do these, who, manipulated spiritual forces and stuff like that so come along carry on okay him
1: let's see um okay but when they believed philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of god in the in end the, the name of jesus they were baptized both men and women even simon himself believed and after being baptized he continued with philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed.
0: Now, Simon was used to doing some wonders, but when he sees what what the real deal is, he, he's astonished. And he believes. He, he converts to Christianity. All right? So th- this sounds like this is going really good, right? I mean, e- e- even even the magi, because that's what he would basically be doing, is converting. Th- this is awesome.
1: And yet, carry on. <laughs> Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what are they talking about here?
0: What What is this power of the Holy Spirit that they're talking about?
1: Uh, I Frankly, I don't know exactly.
0: This is the power to—this is ordination talk. Oh, okay, okay. This is remember the gift that you received on the line. So, so they have a bunch of people that were baptized, but— Philip's not ordaining anyone. No, no one's being set up to establish the church and be a preacher. All right. So, so you've just got, so, so James and Peter, sorry, not James, Peter and John. Yeah, Dad, I caught my air. Peter and John come (laughs) on up and, and they start laying hands on people. Laying hands on people is early church talk for ordaining. It is the, the, you are now authorized and sent to go and preach in this place. Now, the problem is, Simon sees this and says, okay, this is actually kind of cool. I want to get on this. All right? All right. So what do I got to do so I get to be able to be the one who can start ordaining people, man? Yeah. What what, what can I do? All right? So carry on.
1: Okay. Let's see. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you
0: what we have here is the introduction of a practice or a sin that was quite common in the Middle Ages, the practice of what is called simony. Have you heard the term simony before? I have. It is the buying of church offices. And so right away in Acts, you get this, this clear cut. No, you're, you're not buying a position in the church. You're not buying your way into the clergy. That is not appropriate. Um. And so this is where you have Simon come up and apparently now that I'm going, may may I, may I go outside of the Bible for a bit, Thomas? Yeah. Hit me. Into church history. Um, Thomas, uh, not Thomas, (laughs) Simon, the Magnus does end up leaving the church. He, he, he ends up going off and doing his own thing and, and starts heretical branches of the church. Um, most people think uh treat him as the the father of many of the Gnostic heresies that arise in the early church. So yeah. apparently he ends up going off because again, he was so used to being the one in charge and control and getting people to praise him that he still wanted to be the one in charge and control. How how do I get to control this God stuff? How do I get to be the one in charge? And that's what he keeps on doing. And that that uh title that he had. Oh, this he's the power of God that's called great. This is one of the hallmarks of early Gnosticism, where they have so many slivers of divinity and things like that. And Here's the extra secret knowledge you can have about God. And once you get this knowledge, you can start doing awesome, cool things. So he ends up being one of the arch heretics of the early church. And that's where he's at. And, and he's one who had believed, but then went out this is something that that John will emphasize often in the uh, the book of Revelation. When we talk about Antichrist, Thomas, what, what's the hallmark of Antichrist? Um, from first from John or from Revelation?
1: Hmm.
0: that they came out from us but were're not part of us that they they come in the church. they, they are in the church at a moment and then they splinter off because again, they aren't interested in, receiving good things from Christ, but rather I want to be the one in charge and they set themselves up in opposition to God, pretending to be God. Right. Okay. So so he, here you go. Now now we're starting to see even the rise of Antichrist coming. Because that's what that's what he is. He he's he's really, if you want to put it this way, he's the first one to openly apostate from the church. And this is why they're telling that story because in the early church, when Luke writes the Gospel of Acts, you're going to have heard of Simon, Magnus, and and uh, all the other things that he's doing. And, and, oh, okay, so that's his story. All right, that's where that happens. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. does that make sense? Definitely. All right, any other thoughts on Simon, Magnus, or the the sin of simony? No, Thomas, you cannot bribe your way into being a pastor. It's not good. That That is not the appropriate way to doing it. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I'm sure with seminary costs these days, it's it's expensive enough as it is. Before any problems, we're we're,
0: we're not going to set up the uh, the send send five hundred dollars into the Gospel Boldly podcast, and and Pastor Brown will send you a certificate of ordination, and then you can do marriages <laughs> in your state. No, we're not going to do that. That is not appropriate. So, all right, let's carry on and get a little bit more with Philip, because because Philip's going to keep going on, or actually, more God's going to keep Philip at work.
1: Yeah. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now, I, oh, you went, okay? Keep going. Yeah. So cool. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place." And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He came to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah.
0: All right. So we have this eunuch, high ranking official in the Ethiopian court. And what do we notice about him right off the, what can you tell me about this Ethiopian eunuch just from looking the description of him?
1: Well, he's riding a chariot, So, but we already know he's fairly high up, so that makes sense. Um, he is seated there reading Isaiah, so he has the Hebrew scriptures. He's,
0: he's a practicing Jew. He's yeah, of the he's Jewish devout. faith. Now, this is one of the things, too. Uh, Ethiopia actually was a strong hotbed of of judaism in the ancient world there were a lot of jewish folks in in ethiopia in fact even to this day you have a lot of very old customs from from ethiopia
1: well oh, don't uh, you know that's because the uh, the ark of the covenants there in Ethiopia. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well did you see that it just got stolen they just reported that oh, it no. was stolen
0: that's oh convenient. no that's one of the traditions one of the churches in ethiopia claims that they've got the ark of the covenant and part of the reason for this is that uh Who was the king of Israel who had a lot of interaction with Ethiopia? Solomon. Solomon, one of his wives, was the queen of Ethiopia. So it's long, long history. And you did have plenty of Ethiopians who were of the Jewish faith. So there you've got the guy, and he's sitting, and he's reading the scroll of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Again, most people didn't have their own personal copies of any part of the Bible because— books were insanely expensive. This guy has wealth and power. He's an educated,
1: powerful Jewish fellow. So carry on. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him.
0: Again, just a little nuance about the ancient world. Note that that Philip hears him reading. In the ancient world, you always read out loud.
1: Mm.
0: So just because y- you didn't read quietly, if you could read, your duty was to read out loud so that anyone passing by could hear and understand. In fact, if you went to the library, you'd check out the book and then go stand under the porch outside and say, I'm going to read uh, Plato's Republic, the third book. And you'd read it out loud. And anyone who couldn't read but was passing by could stop and listen and be educated that way. Nice. So if you could read, you always read out loud. That, that's just the way they worked in the ancient world.
1: So carry on. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe the, uh, his generation? for his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. All right, we'll, we'll
0: pause there for the moment in the narrative. This is the giant softball. Oh, good. Oh, <laughs> oh, who is this? Who, who is the suffering servant from Isaiah? Well, let let me tell you. In fact, uh, Thomas, when does this Isaiah text show up in the church here?
1: Mm. I assume during the Easter season sometime. It's the Old
0: Testament for Good
1: Friday. I mean,
0: if if you want to have a text to go preach on off of the Old Testament about the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus, oh, this is like the primo one. (laughs) And you know what? That's what Philip does. He proclaims the gospel of Christ Jesus, yes, you who come from a people who've been long prepared to hear the good news of God, who've, who've possessed the word of God since the days of Solomon and pay attention to things like this, great. Guess what? All this has been fulfilled for you in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you what happened. He died, and he rose, and he did it for you. And he goes on, and we will find out next time what the result of this powerful gospel preaching is. All right? sounds gonna be fun it's gonna be good gonna be wet too so all right we'll see you next time have a great week uh don't give to radio tv huckster evangelists unless it's us oh that did not (laughs) sound good have a great week everyone